92nd episode of BoagWorld.com. BoagWorld is brought to you by me and also Marcus. Hello, Marcus. Uh, hello. How are you this you, morning? I'm very well. Do you like my new intro? I thought it was, that was very kind of, um, well, okay. I suppose <laughs> I, I should say to, to our new listeners who might not have been listening to the show before, the Boag World is a podcast for those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. I, do you know, I can never remember that. Whenever I, I want to sort of take the mick out of you and go, it's instant mind blank. Ah, uh, I see. Well, that's because you don't have to say it every week. This is true. Either that I'm erased, I've permanently erased it from my memory. Like so my, I've got... I've got... Shut up. I've got us a good deal. Did you know that? I'm very excited about this. Well, so, let me tell you about my good deal. So anyway, I was I, I I like to have pretty backgrounds on my desktop, but I'm very lazy and can't be bothered to go and get them. And you go out, yes, I know, you go out and take lovely pictures of exotic locations like beaches in Mexico or whatever. Well, yeah. Do you want this I picture? Don't. Or you can put it on. You can put it on to um onto the Bird World website and show people how lovely it is there. Oh God, do I have to put it on Flickr and then I'll link it's to on it. It's on Flickr. Oh, well, there you go. Send me the link and I'll put it up for them. Right. So anyway, I'm not as clever as you. So, But I like to get my um, uh, photographs you know, onto my desktop, and, but I can't be bothered to go and get them. So I came across this excellent application called Desktop Top... Oh, can't, desktop Opia. Desktop Opia. Yes, that's right. That's quite hard desk, to say. Desktop... I can't say it now either. No, desktop see? Yes. Like Desktoptopia. Yeah, that's it. We've sorted it now. Right. So anyway, I found this application, um, and it's really good because what it does is it allows you to um, basically download RSS feeds of photographs. So you could go along to Flickr and say, um, like, for example, if you search on wallpapers, you can find entire groups dedicated to wallpapers, and you could subscribe to these wallpaper groups. Um, and you can um, then they, they're automatically downloaded how, uh, whatever intervals you set, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes or uh, once a day or whatever you fancy. Um, and it updates the, the background automatically. And it's absolutely lovely. And even better, they actually have got a whole set of really, really nice desktops that are kind of built into the application. So, uh, so I wrote to them and said, hey, you've got a really good application. Well done. Congratulations. All the rest of it. You know, just because it was obviously a small company. And they wrote back and said that I could have a five, uh, $5 discount for all Boagworld listeners, right? So, if you go along to their website, which is desktop, uh, T-O-P-I-A, desktopia, desktoptopia.com, forward slash store, and if you enter the code Boagworld, 
you can get this bit of software, but you have to do it before the 18th of September because that's when the code expires. But it's like, it's only $15 with this discount. So I thought that was really cool for a cool little product. Sounds like, cool. an, sounds like an advert, but it isn't. They're not giving me anything. I just really like the product and want to tell people about it. So there you go. If anybody else has any cool applications that they want me to get discounts on, it's my new new uh, new task. So there you go. Can, do you get, ever get any kind of you know surprises? Shocking desktop appears. <gasps> that must what be an like. obscene one, or no. you know the scary one. They have some cool ones. They have some some uh, yeah. They have some weird ones, but it's good. And you can like turn on and off categories if you want, obviously. But no, it's nice. It's a much better way of doing it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on my home machine as well if I uh, get a second license because um, I'm getting a des- uh, a Mac at home as well, and I'm gonna pump through my uh, Flickr photographs onto it so it can be like a digital photo frame. So um, you finally admitted that you're gonna get a Mac. I think so, basically because I've had um, I I've recently had this this super duper supposedly um, <laughs> uh, machine by an, another company starting with S that has four letters. Um, and ends with Y, and it's got on in the middle. Which is very beautiful indeed. And, you know, the screen is gorgeous. Um, and it's got all the features that you'd expect a, um, a machine of this sort of flagship of their range to have. Uh, but basically, it just it keeps breaking, and their service is rubbish. So and I'm it's such to... a huge monster of a machine. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that's, you can get a huge monster max, can't you? I mean, that's... I probably won't. Not do as big that. as that. Nowhere near as big as that. Don't they Not do a separate screen? Oh, perhaps they do. But yours just looks so big. It's just obscene. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, and I'm, I have to admit that what I really want from a, any computer is that if you hit a button or click a mouse, it does it instantly. And I have to be. I, I'm very. I have to admit that I'm very impressed with your Mac because that's what it does. Mm, it just yeah. does stuff straight away. And even this latest super duper 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 model. PC doesn't. It nearly does, yeah. but it doesn't. And also, well. uh, I really like. And then I'm getting boring now. Um, what do you mean now? Yeah, um, they do uh, a music program called um, Logic Audio, which used, used oh, to be yeah. PC, but now then Mac bought it, and it's Mac only now. So if I get a Mac, I can start using Audio Logic again. So, um, which is uh, a reason to go for it, basically. Cool. So Excellent. then, there we go. Another good convert. So what's on this on today's show? What are you doing, Marcus? What are you talking about? I'm well. Interestingly, there, there's a link, the, the music link. Basically, you said to me, uh, "Why don't you talk about music? You haven't talked about music for ages." And I, I just got thinking of an article I wrote years ago um, about music on the web. So I thought I'd go back and have a look at that and see if what I wrote came true. And it hasn't. Ah, but, or about it hasn't. No. <laughs> oh dear, that's sad. I'm sure it would come true if if it was a parallel universe. Um, so I'm going to be answering a question from a guy called Dan about blogging because he's um, he's written in asking how often you should blog. So I'm going to do that. And then we've got an interview with uh, John Oxton and John Hicks who are going to discuss the drawbacks and benefits of homeworking. So that should be good as well. But obviously, before we get into any of that, we need to kick off with our new segment of the show. All right, so let's have a look at what's been going on in the world of web design over the last week or so. Um, the Probably the biggest story, I think, of the last week is the fact that Cameron Mole has released his book 
on the mobile web. We've been waiting to see this book for a very long time and I've been very keen to read it. But it seems to have taken a while to get finished. But now it is. The Justify, the justify is worth the wait. That <laughs> doesn't make sense, does it? The, no. The wait, the wait is justify. Oh, I don't know. Whatever. So um, there you go. Yes, the book's out and it's good. Um, I, uh, you may be strongly tempted to think the mobile web isn't really worth worrying about too much at the moment, but I would encourage you to reconsider that position. In Cameron's book, he explains that, get this, here's some stats for you, right? He explains that 59% of the entire world's population will have a mobile phone by 2010. Mm-hmm. 59% by 2010. And in 35 years, which is roughly the same amount of time that PCs have been around and about a quarter of the time that landlines have been around. So in those 35 years, mobile phone penetration has surpassed the PC and landline combined. Okay. Very, very big numbers we're talking about here. It's a massive growth area. Um, and admittedly, not all mobile phones are internet enabled. Um and even if they are internet enabled, that doesn't necessarily mean that people use them. However, and here's another stat from his book, in the UK and the US, mobile access uh, to the internet is already one-fifth the size of accessing via PC. So one-fifth yeah. of the people that access the internet in the UK and US do so via mobile phones. That is interesting. That is mm. very interesting. As I, was about so, to, I was about to say, but aha, but actually how many people... What are the stats of how many people actually use mm. their phone? So I mean, that's, that's a. That's I still a haven't number. got that figure here, but that's still a fairly big chunk. Yeah, I think it's a very big chunk. So the um, the book costs a mere nineteen dollars because it's not a printed book; it's an electronic book available in PDF format from mobilewebbook.com. If that's whetted your appetite for the mobile web, those little stats that I threw around there, then you also might want to check out the iPhone article that has appeared on the List Apart website. Um, It provides basically loads of great advice on developing um, your website to be kind of iPhone compatible. Although, I have to say, um, a lot of what is written in the article um, applies to other mobile devices as well. And I have to say, it was an education for me, so you might want to check that out too. Okay, so that's... Go on. Uh, On this subject, I think we should, um, even though we have discussed it in the past, I think we should go back and have a look at this. What, the mobile web? Yeah, basically just talk about sort of different devices, testing requirements, Mm. that stuff. Well, idea. I am. I'm in the process of trying to get Cameron Mole on the um, on the show, but he's a very hard guy to pin down. Right. Because let's face it, he knows a lot more about this than I do, or indeed you. <laughs> Absolutely, if such a thing is possible. <laughs> okay, next story up. Next story um, is a video demonstration that is causing considerable excitement online. I've seen loads of people going ooh and ah and e and things like that. So basically, what it does. Um, so, you know, normally if you, you scale an image, um, like you resize it, um, in, you know, in using the settings in CSS or whatever, you know, it's basically just stretching the pixels out and it looks crap, doesn't it? So yeah. what this does is it, it adds and removes pixels in a kind of seamless way and it follows the content of the objects in the picture to work out where to expand it and where to contract it. 
Uh, and it's an incredibly hard thing to describe on an audio podcast. So what I've done is I've put a whopping great um, YouTube video in the middle of uh, in the middle of the show notes um, where you can go and have a look at it for yourself and see exactly how amazing it is. So you can get to those by going to boagworld.com uh, forward slash podcast and selecting show 92. Definitely check it out. It's a very cool thing to see. Okay, next news story up. Okay, my, yeah, so my next news item is a great little post I came across on the SitePoint website um, that lists three domain name generators. Now, these generators help solve a growing problem you encounter when launching a new site or product, which is finding an available da- um, domain name. You can tell how hard it's become simply by the fact that all these Web 2.0 companies seem to be dropping vowels left, what, right and center in order to find a vaguely intelligent sounding name. Even the, that um, Yeah, we, we, um, we had a little yeah. look around recently. Mm. Mm. The um, site listed in the blog, oh, the sites listed in the blog post allow you to enter a few keywords, and it will suggest a domain name based on the word combinations you come up with. And it, it does things like plurals. It does drop the vowel thing. It also enables thesaurus lookups and that kind of stuff. Um, and best of all, one of the three sites mentioned works nicely in other languages. If you're looking for a language-specific URL as well, so that's very useful indeed. I seem to be turning into a Radio 4 presenter. No, it's more Radio 2, Paul. Is it Radio 2? We've got very very UK at the moment. Very Uh, UK. 2 is the kind of of middle-of-the-road show for you 40- to 60-year-olds out there. um, Well, I listen to... Hang on a minute. I listen to Radio 2. Well, there you go. You're a a 40- to 60-year-old then. Uh. Ha! So, last up in today's news segment of the show is an article about writing a design brief. Now, this article is not directly written about web design, um, but every word of it is absolutely, completely applicable. It's really, really good. Um, The article applies equally if you're a designer um, who has to deal with clients or if you're a client that has to deal with designers. And it talks about um, the important role that a design brief fulfills. Um, It suggests that designers need to encourage clients to kind of actually you know write these briefs because they often get forgotten or they they turn into a like one line email um and it makes a series of suggestions of what kind of things should go in uh, the the list is far from being comprehensive especially if you're a web designer because it's a kind of generic thing but it is an excellent starting point and i've got to say i cannot emphasize enough how important a formal brief is no matter how small the project is that you're doing it's actually weird because I'm uh, I'm writing the third chapter of my book at the moment, which is exactly about this subject. So that's very convenient. Probably why I discovered the article. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, while working on that kind of article, uh, while working on that chapter, it's kind of reminded me just how bad things can become if all parties are not entirely aware of what each other's expectations are. We've uh, seen a few disasters um, in my time in that regard. So if you're if you tend to be a kind of person that sits back and slacks off when it comes to writing down requirements, then go read this article. It will enlighten you and encourage you. So there you go. So that's the news. Was that acceptable news for you today? Did it entertain you, Marcus? I actually found quite a lot of it interesting, which makes a change. There you go. Now, seriously, you seriously need to go and check out that video for the the, um, the image because it is absolutely awesome. Okay, so shall we move on to your bit of the show? Does that sound acceptable? 
<laughs> I mean, Why I don't want to rush you. Me? I'm, I'm... Because, because I'm turning over a new leaf of politeness. I confused everybody on Twitter yesterday by complimenting Jeremy Keith, which I've <laughs> never done before. So um, there we go. Uh, we'll move on to your segment of the show, if that's okay with you. Okay, Marcus, anytime you're ready. Don't let me rush you. Take your time. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for putting me at my ease. You're more than welcome. It's a pleasure to have you as my co-host on the show. Stop it now. Stop it. Okay. Sorry. Not, Get just on with not it right. then. Okay. Better. Uh, yeah, as mentioned earlier, um, I remember writing an article for the Headscape website quite a long time ago. I think it was five years ago. Well, I'm, I'm not sure. But anyway, years ago, about um, music on the web, basically, uh, how, how it was being used then, how I thought it might, how it might change in the future. Um, at the time, basically, broadband hadn't been taken up generally, and the use of music on websites was limited to annoying, over-compressed loops that bore little relevance to the rest of the site. Now, I hoped that the advent of broadband would uh, lead to a lot more music being created for websites uh, a lot more often, and basically what I really wanted was the, a kind of web music developer or writer or designer, whatever you wanted to call it, would, that, that role would become a reality. So, has anything changed? Not really, frankly. Um, <laughs> the, uh, well, I'll come on to why I think that's the case. The sites that used to include music, kind of cool sites with the trendy design agencies, band sites, obviously, they still have, a, have music on them, and that has improved greatly. Quality, obviously, um, has improved because you can have much larger, um, uh, much larger file sizes, but you also get more choice, etc., etc., uh, but that wasn't what I was really hoping for. At the time, there was um, a bit of a buzz about audio branding, which still occasionally pops up. And this was, but, but this was promoted because of Intel's audio logo, which we all were all oh, very, yes. very, very familiar with that. Um, but at the time, there was those of us who write music and were into music started to think, ah, so is this something that's going to become part of what all companies and organizations are going to do? Because there's a... The, the, there is the argument that music is a lot more memorable than any sentence or words or anything like that. So that's that's why, you know, the, re- the reason why Intel's um, audio logo um, sticks with you. But basically, it hasn't really happened. There's there's, there's a, a few big companies like Philips and Ford have done it, but um, it, it generally hasn't hasn't caught on. So why not? I guess. Um, I started to think about why why this hasn't really caught on at all and why we don't see music on websites. And I think the main reason for the lack of take Bloody up Bloody annoying? Music, well, yes, basically, but there's it's there's yeah, but why? Why is it annoying? Is and I think I'm I think I've I've, I've uh, managed to sort of settle on why why I think people find it annoying. But okay. Music either either should sit completely on its own. So it's got no, it's not associated with any kind of imagery at all, which is what most people do stick a pair of headphones on or sit in front of sit on the sofa with, in front of the speakers and just listen to music but if you are going to associate it with imagery it has to be synchronized with that imagery it has to fit you know it, it, it can't be the two can't go separately and that's why it doesn't that's why it can't work so well with um, with uh, with websites music works great with films ad- adverts videos that kind of thing because they're fixed you can stop and start them, but that's about it. You can't interact with a film other than stopping and starting it. They can't be viewed in a random way like the way people navigate websites. 
that basically means that music on websites will always feel like a bit of an add-on and at worst a distraction, i.e. bloody annoying. Additionally, websites are generally seen as information points, portals, whatever you want to call it, and not as places of ent- entertainment per se. They provide entertaining things to download and watch, etc., but in, in themselves they're simply kind of shells for content, most of which is written text. The other thing that occurred to me, um, written text. I thought, I didn't mention this in the early article, but I thought we'd hear a lot more voiceovers. Um, but again, that hasn't caught on. And I assume for the same kind of reason, that you can never get them to sync with the words. Or you, I, I guess you need a, talk, a talking head or some kind of movement behind just to have sort of some voiceover popping up is uh, just yeah, basically um, a little bit annoying. So, you go, hang on a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you. Oh, well, you can sync. You can sync audio with images or anything else. That's not a problem these days. You, you I, can. I would, I, I'm sorry to disagree with you, but I mean, I would say that the the main problem is 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 that um, people don't like audio automatically triggering when they arrive on a site simply because a lot of people surf at, um, at work. But I mean, a lot of sites have audio. I mean, um, and and use it for entertainment value as well. I mean, look at YouTube. Ah, yeah, well, I'm coming on to that. That's still, okay. it's associated with a video, which is a fixed item. It's not like, like you say, just a, a piece of audio that triggers as soon as you go to a... Oh, I um, see what you mean, a, okay. That's what, what you're not getting. Yeah, right, I mean, yeah. Because I'm, I'm basically going to say, are there any positives for the music composer? And basically, yes, there is. Because what has exploded since the takeoff of a broadband is video, YouTube, etc., um, we're seeing more and more video online, expecting it, basically, or our clients, hmm. um, Headscape, who, most of which are quite sober public sector clients, they all want video on their sites as well. Um, video, which of course is a fixed entity, um, usually benefits to a lesser or greater extent from the addition of music. So th- though the creation of quality video, you know, proper video, if you like, is a specialist field, I can see web design agencies being asked to produce more and more video for client testimonials, staff interviews, product demos, that kind of thing. Um, quite a lot, and quite a lot of the time, I expect that library music will be used for these, but I expect just a bit, a bit more and more over the years, they'll be, will be being asked for new music compositions as part of those videos, basically. So, I don't know, that's what I'm saying. We'll be doing more music for video, but I'll check again for five years and see yes we'll hold you to it in five years <laughs> like anybody will remember this podcast in five years you never know they might do let's move on <laughs> okay so i've recently as i said at the beginning of the show received a question from dan talking about quality and quantity of blog posts with so many of us blogging i thought it might be an interesting subject to cover and as i seem to be in statistics mode today earlier quoting cameron um now i'm going to quote another random statistic that i've pulled out of my arse um 66 percent of blogs have not been updated for over two months and anywhere between 60 and 80 percent are abandoned within the first month of going live it's very easy for a blog um, to turn from being a good idea to a total embarrassment so The main problem with blogging is that uh, it's a lot more work than people expect, regularly coming up with quality content over a long term uh, or a long period of time is a significant challenge and many people and organizations find it hard to keep up. Many bloggers struggle with getting their posts right. They feel pressurized 
um, to kind of get it all perfect and wonderful. But they also feel a need to get things out on a regular basis. So I think Dan's question reflects the feeling of many bloggers, and so I'll play it to you. Hi, Paul and Marcus. I'm Dan Bowling, and I live in Missoula, Montana, in the United States. Here's my question. For as long as I can remember, the prevalent thought has been that the key to success for blogging and podcasts is to post frequently and on a regular schedule. Now, this made a lot of sense because websites had to get visitors to come back manually to find new content. But now in the age of affluent internet users and RSS feeds, is this advice still as important as it used to be, if at all? And in terms of how web managers spend their resources, is it more important to do a few updates with stellar quality or to manage your time so that frequent updates are the priority? So I get the impression from um, Dan's question that he's looking to kind of uh, lighten the load of his uh, blogging, which I can entirely understand. I feel like that sometimes as well. So he raises kind of two questions, doesn't he? Do I need to still post regularly and frequently? And his second question is, is quality or quantity more important? So let's take them one at a time. Do I still need to post regularly and frequently? Dan's right when he says that the prevalent thought amongst bloggers is that you should post frequently and on a regular schedule. However, I believe um, this is, you know, primarily about drawing people back to your site. The amount and regularity with which you post depends very much on why you are blogging in the first place. If you're blogging purely for fun, then hell, it doesn't really matter. But if you're blogging for commercial reasons or even to build your own personal profile, then yes, it does matter. Blogging is a powerful way of continually keeping your brand, whether that's a kind of personal brand or a corporate brand, in somebody's mind. For example, if I only posted once um, every few months, you know, this show every went out only once every few months, then chances are you'll soon forget about me. Yes, I know. I know <laughs> it's hard to believe, but um, that's what would happen. You would, you know... I would just get, you'd fail to include me in that really cool invitation to tender for a web project that you're you're commissioning because you wouldn't remember that I'm around because you haven't heard the podcast for a while. Equally, by posting regularly, you build an expectation either consciously or subconsciously that um, so that when you don't post for any particular reason, like when I go on holiday, um, you'll miss it. You'll miss me when I'm not there. For example, every time I do take a week off of recording, I always receive emails from people saying they missed the show. So even the absence of a post, if you're posting regularly, can keep your brand in people's minds because they go, oh, I haven't seen a Boag World episode this week. Now, of course, Dan's point about RSS feeds is a valid one. In the world of RSS, the need to continually encourage people back to your site is less than once it was. However, we need to be careful we're not making assumptions. Yes, it is true that as geeks and people that listen to this show, you probably almost exclusively all of you use RSS feeds. However, that's far from a mainstream audience, so I wouldn't be so sure that everybody is. Feeds are still a long way from being universal. Many users um, would uh, you don't know that you can get notifications via RSS. So, there's an oh, end. Sorry, go on. I think people like um, routine as well. They like that regular scheduling. Mm. Mm. It's, yeah, it's I think you're right. Thing. Yeah, especially yes. if they if they particularly like a a blog or a, a podcast or whatever, because it's something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, well, I wouldn't I go that far. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not suggesting ours is, but for some oh, people. okay, <laughs> okay, yes, admittedly, yeah, there are some some podcasts that I I, I do look forward to. 
but mine is not one of them. Um, so anyway, there's endless debates about how often you should blog. And to be honest, I don't think there's any single answer. It depends on multiple factors, including your audience, your subject matter, your popularity, that kind of stuff. However, I reckon a rough starting point that I would encourage that is that I would encourage most people to blog at least once a week. Um, of course, if you've got a particularly popular blog, um, the figure may be nearer two or three times a day. I've seen, you know, with some some big big uh, blogs. However, blogging isn't just a matter of frequency; it's also a matter of the quality of posts, which brings us nicely on to the second part of Dan's question, which is: Is quality or quantity more important? Should the emphasis be placed on posting regularly and frequently or ensuring the high quality of posts? <sighs> Personally, I'm not sure that really that's the best question to ask. I think instead we should be asking, how do I create something relevant to my readers? If you're writing a blog aimed at academic, then chances are the emphasis should be on quality because they're picky buggers are those academics. If, on the other hand, you're writing for friends and family, they're probably more interested in hearing from you regularly than whether your grammar's correct. However, for those of us with an audience somewhere in between, there is a way of having the best of both worlds. Ooh. So this is a little kind of idea I've been toying with recently. Well, I've been, I've been doing for a while, but I've only just kind of, um, you know, solidified uh, um, the kind of idea in my mind. And it's the idea that you have several different types of posts. Um, some of those types can be uh, have an emphasis on quality, while others can be quick and easy to do and can be done more regularly. So let's take, for example, Boag World. All right. I post show notes, which tend to be very detailed and take a long time to put together. Hopefully an example of quality. Um, then there are opinion pieces I write, like, for example, what I'm talking to you about now is a is a blog post um, that you can see on my site as well, which are more frequent because they're not quite as detailed as the show notes. And then finally, I have kind of other resources so, you know, bookmarks I've seen. And it takes me just a second to bookmark and comment on a link that I like. Um, and so those get added on a regular basis. Now, by using these different styles of posting, I can ensure that I'm uh, frequently posting on my blog um, uh, without actually losing the quality of what I'm publishing. So think about maybe different templates you can use. Um, so there you go. Obviously, there's a lot more that can be said on blogging. And, you know, actually, I've, I've read entire books that have been written on the subject. However, hopefully, Dan, I've answered your question. Um, and I strongly believe that posting frequently and regularly is still very important. The trick is to do so without overly compromising your quality. And having those different styles of post might be a way to do that. The only downside of this, in my experience, is... Um, is uh, when you get other people involved, right? So this is a bit cynical of me, but one, one way around getting around blog posting is to, to get other people on board and get multiple people blog posting. Um, but I've come across, a lot, I've done that before, and a lot of people have offered to help out and they failed to produce the goods. Marcus, I've asked <laughs> you to post many times and you still have not. So on that bitter note... I'm going to finish my section and move on. Okay, so joining me today are two towers of British web design genius in the form of John Hicks and John Oxton. Hello, guys. Hello. I think, 
Hello, I think he's trying to tell us we're fat. Yeah. <laughs> I was just agreeing with him. <laughs> it's always good practice if you're doing a podcast to butter up your guests in advance. <laughs> oh, oh, I feel literally greased up, thank you. Yes, enjoy. Okay, so uh, the the reason we've dragged these two guys onto the show today um, is really to talk about a change that they've both made in their careers recently. So you guys have been freelancers for a while, is that right? Yeah, yeah, um, I've been five years. How long have you been, John? On and off for for about five years as well. Years, yeah, okay. three years committed. So I mean, that's that's quite a while to work as freelancers, and I guess you you both used to work out of home offices. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes, I've been. Although I worked for the first three years from a home office, and the last two years I've been renting a little desk in a print, local print design company. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like the next step up. But, right. Uh, yeah. So we've certainly done the home working thing. What about you, Mr. Oxton? What, uh, yeah. you've been I've been working out of a bedroom, as every proper developer should. Hey, <laughs> for the last, it. yeah, for, for as long as I've been doing web design, I've kind of never had a, I've never had my own office. As it okay, were. and then so relatively recently, the two of you decided to get together and move into an RAF base. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Over. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean. Um, do you want to tell the, the story, John, or shall I tell the story? You John? tell the story, John. Well, as I said, I've been, I've been, I was renting a desk for two years, and it was a, it was a nice, nice place to rent, nice people, but it really was just to kind of, you know, we have a spare desk in the corner, you can come and use it. Um, John mentioned that we, he wanted to find an office, so we started looking for anywhere sort of halfway between where we live, and this place came up, and I think I have to admit there was a kind of a boy appeal to the whole RAF base thing. <laughs> I mean, it stopped being an RAF base about, I think it was about eight, eight or nine years ago. But um, there's still the airfield here and it's still being used and um, it's, it's great. So, I mean, beyond this just being some nice reminiscing about how you've got a lovely office to get uh, together and it, it isn't, uh, shouldn't we all be envious of you? I mean, the, the reason I kind of got you on is to, to talk a little bit about home working and working in an office and, and working as a freelancer, really, and setting yourself up and stuff like that. So, I mean, what made the decision for you to move out of a home office and, and, and into an office working together? I mean, what, what triggered that decision? Uh, I think we, for me, the key, especially, was having young children. Um, working from home with young children is, is nigh on impossible, I think. Mm. Um, but it's also the fact that we'd done, I think we'd, we'd kind of worked together for a year, the year before, hadn't we, on a project. Yeah. And that we'd get on, actually get on quite well. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, so those were the two elements for me, really, assigning somebody I could get along with and uh, just wanting to get out of the house because of the kids. So was it a desire to, to be in an environment where you could kind of um, bounce off of somebody else and, and have other people that you could speak to as well? Or was it just getting away from the kids? Well, that's that's one aspect of it because yeah. certainly the going back to the place that I was renting a desk from, um, they were lovely people and they were good uh, good print designers, but I couldn't talk to them about anything web related. Yeah, um, I mean they they did websites using Freeway, um, right? So you know you just couldn't talk code to them. You couldn't talk IE bugs and that kind of thing. Um, although you could, I could you know. I could do my thing of asking people what colour for something is. I needed to check. So, mm. um, but that was about it. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's an element of it. You know, having someone there that you can actually talk to them about these things, or you know, 
passing around things like this, um, you know, discussing things recently like the blueprints, the, the CSS framework, or um, there was that one, was it called Moonfall or something, that was the um, Perl script for doing oh, CSS yes. variables. Yeah. You know, in these sort of things, you know, I, I, I could, beforehand, I wouldn't have let anyone to talk to you about that. You know, it's, uh, I that makes a difference. And I've got yeah. somebody who can identify fonts for me now. Yeah. <laughs> That's a huge bonus. <laughs> as well as merging two big iTunes libraries. <laughs> ah, but, it's uh, all about the iTunes library. It's all about the music, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's difficult. There are, there are definite advantages to home working. Um, not having to travel is a huge one, mm. especially when you think about the environmental cost as well as the financial cost of of traveling somewhere to work. Mm. And don't anybody um, say carbon footprint or I'm hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not talking about that today. <laughs> but, um, and it's, you know, and everything's there, you know, if you want to go and make a, a bacon sandwich at lunchtime, you can, you don't have to go out shops necessarily. It's, and it's a, it's a nice familiar environment um, and it's definitely cheaper. That's the thing, you know, you're paying less overhead. Mm. Um, but certainly for me, that would only work if I could afford a big house. Yeah. Um, and we have the space to do that. Uh, it's space enough to be far enough away from other activity, as John says, like the children. Mm. Um, because even if you lock yourself in a way in a room, they still come in, they'll still talk to you. Um, do you think that there are actual business benefits to being in an office rather than working out of your home? Um, well, definitely. I, mean, I think yeah. one, one of the things here, this is um, what they did when they, when they took over the RAF base. They took over what was the officer's mess, and they've turned the rooms into separate suites. So there's, there's about, what do you say, John, about 20 other companies here? Yeah. Quite a lot. As well as some virtual companies as well. Yeah. And I know that um, John already has got work, you know, working with some of the other companies ah. in the building. I think there's definitely an element, well, you can afford an office, therefore you must be doing something right. So there's, I think it makes you look more professional for a start. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got real life offices and you're not working out of a bedroom. I mean, that's just a nonsense perception, but nevertheless, it's true. It yeah. is a factor. I mean, it is somewhere, you know, to, to bring a client to. Um, when I worked at home, we always have to meet clients either at their place or um, at a pub, which wasn't a bad thing. But, <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes, you know, a pub isn't the best place to meet <laughs> yeah. if you actually got nitty gritty to discuss. So, um, so like here, for example, we can, there's two, um, a, meeting, a huge meeting room and a smaller meeting room, and we can hire it by the hour, and mm. they bring you tea and coffee. And it's it, and, and clients like coming here, don't they, John? They yeah, it's just a, it's a nice journey, and it's a nice mm. yeah. And, and again, as the, also the other thing is, there's a reception here as well, so the clients are greeted properly. It's not you know mm. knocking at your house door and being jumped on by your children. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> the phones get answered properly. So, there's, yeah, there's lots of, just from a sort of perception point of view, making you look more professional, I think it's yeah. definitely a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we have a, quite a few people listening to this show that, that would be um, enthusiastic amateurs at the moment, people that, that don't do web design full time, but maybe thinking about going um, freelance um, or they're working for an existing company as a web design uh, web designer and they're thinking about coming out that and setting up freelance. I mean, what would you advise to people like that? Would you say start off in a home office or would you say, you know, go professional and go into a, you know, um, one of these units straight off the bat? I'd be inclined to say um, start off at home if you can. It depends what you're going out to do, really. If mm. you're going out with uh, shareholders and 
you know, big plans for a product then probably straight into offices. But if you're going out to be a freelancer who, you know, builds back ends or front ends, then probably keep your overheads as low as possible to begin with. Mm. Um, and undercut your competition a little bit <laughs> because mm. you yeah. can. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that was my attitude for a long time. So, I mean, yeah. would you have any particular advice about for people that are working out of home as to, you know, what things to avoid, what things to do in order to make yourself as productive as possible? I'd, I'd like that Mark Bolton um, thing that he wrote where he said uh, he used to actually leave the house and walk around the block in the morning, you know, put his, put his shoes on and actually leave the house. Because, I mean, you know, there's, there's been days where I've sat and worked with just my socks on <laughs> at home and, you know, it's all too easy just to go and sit down and read a book and you're not feeling so good. So I think it's, you know, try and make some mental separation between home and work is it's one of the key things. Yeah, I mean, definitely that's something as well, actually, that I have to do here too, um, perhaps less so than I did at home. But um, if the longer you stay in front of a computer, the less productive you can be and the less um, stimulated your brain is. Um, and just a simple thing of it doesn't have to be a, a long walk, just a quick couple of minutes, get out, get fresh air, walk around the block, come back in again. Um, it's reinvigorated you. Mm. Uh, but the long, if you, if you drew it like a sort of curve, a graph, you'd see the sort of dip over time. It would just get down lower and lower and lower. The longer you stay in front of the computer. Yeah, I think I tend to go for short bursts. I pace a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think we did a... Did a um, recorded ourselves recently doing that and it kind of proves how much I stay just rooted to a computer while well, John paces and jumps up and you know and dances quite a lot. Mm. <laughs> I like dancing. Yeah. <laughs> I like. But that, I think that, that would be I worth like, seeing. You recorded that. You're going to put that uh -huh. on YouTube. Um, um, Vimeo, I think. So, yeah. What about the actual kind of work environment that you create, either either at home or in the office? You know, is there is there a certain setup that you like that kind of makes working easier for you? I think it's a little bit like um, old men in their sheds. You know, <laughs> you know how you know, old men said, you know, when they get a bit kind of, they would need need their space and they need their things around them. They thought, I'm going to my shed. Um, certainly when I worked at home it was a kind of I'm going to my office because yeah. the thing about the office is you, you need, it's, it's, the, it's the place that you control how it looks it's your posters your books you're not mingling with you know necessarily mingling with everybody else's and I think what we've done here we've created an environment that um, you know, we haven't sort of got an interior designer in or anything but we just kind of said well you know if we're in an REF base let's go for an REF theme we've got some some really nice um 1940s posters up on the walls and uh, the famous like we see everywhere the keep calm and carry on government advice posters yeah it's um, not too corporate in here is it no it's, um, it's just it's quite sort of clean and white and, and, and but it, the important thing is it's got our books and it's got our uh, music um, we are quite lucky because we've got some space at the back where we can hide all the horrible stuff like filing cabinets so yeah oh that's good we're so quite, can keep it quite yeah. clean can't we yeah, but yeah. I think it's quite important that we don't walk in and it's it's a bit like an extension of the house, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got my windowsill with all my Doctor Who toys on it. But it's, it's creating an environment that's, um, that makes you feel glad to be here. Mm. Um, that was one thing I felt, actually, when I came, I've just been on holiday for two weeks. And coming in on Tuesday, I thought, oh, God, it's great. I'm actually feeling really excited to be going back into my, my office. Mm. Yeah, my, my things are there and it looks how we want it to look it's great 
Yeah. I find that quite um, quite a thing in the morning for me, especially having this being the first office, is the actual leaving the house and coming to work. My brain actually starts thinking, I'm going to work, I'm going to work. Yeah. At home, it was always a bit of a, a bit of hard thing to do. Sometimes I'd have to go out and just come back, you know, go and get mm. something from the shop and come back to try and get that mental thing kicking in. So. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge thing, isn't it? The whole kind of, you know, a lot of people talk about that, the separation of your... Mm home life and your work life but the mm. actual office itself isn't isn't geared up for relaxation really no it's geared up for sort of calm work a calm working environment i'd say yeah did you when you when you guys worked at home did you make sure that you had a completely separate room dedicated to work because that yeah. always strikes me as being very important yeah i did not, yeah. not to mix the two there was occasions when i'd go downstairs if i was doing something that was um that I wasn't really motivated. I would sometimes go downstairs and just be amongst the family. Yeah. Just to have other people around me so I wasn't quite so secluded. So occasionally that could work for me just to get me going. But generally, yeah, shut the door and put the music on and just hide away. I mean, you've talked about several things here about, um, you know, the need to get out and to, to kind of walk around a bit to clear your head, the need sometimes to go and sit with other people um, just to kind of get that external stimulation. Um, you've talked about needing a quiet environment sometimes. I mean, what other kind of techniques do you use to kind of help you be productive and get stuff done? Yeah, my, mine, mine, mine literally talked about this before we started, didn't we? Mine was like, um, um, I think that setting deadlines is a big one for me. Okay. Um, and, you know, setting myself short burst deadlines where I've got to get something done by and setting those with the clients as an expectation. Otherwise, I tend to just get all research. Oh, I'll research that for a bit longer. <laughs> right. So that, yeah, deadlines are important. Yeah. Um, and, and acknowledging that sometimes if I, you know, sometimes I'll do my best work at three o'clock in the morning and going with that to a certain extent. Okay. Um, but yeah, try not to do that too much anymore. But sometimes if I'm struggling with something, three o'clock in the morning seems to be a good time. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> well, I think for me, um, the simple fact of moving into an office uh, was a big motivation booster. Mm. Um, for a start, the change in environment was was great. It kind of reinvigorated me. Um, but also just the simple fact of, you know, I've got to do work to make money to pay for this place. Yeah. Is is a big boost in itself. But to, I, yeah, I mean, I, I use various things for sort of um, productivity in the sense of like, I use a to-do list in the Ajimbo uh, Mac application. And I use Billings and Basecamp a lot, which I, I find Billings actually very uh, motivating the way that I, I do these timesheets for everything I'm doing. Okay. I've never, I never used to be very disciplined about uh, recording time spent on things. But for some reason, now that I'm, I'm starting to do this, it's a very easy way to do it with Billings. Um, that, I find that quite motivating, actually. Kind of, yeah. To be actually recording how long I'm doing yeah. this for. So, um, so I mean, the, the kind of uh, the final question that really I wanted to ask is, you know, the two of you have moved into an office together, but you still you still work very ind independently in your businesses, or do you find that you're doing more stuff together? You know, is this the first step in in becoming John and John Design? Or <laughs> uh, if you ask us that, we could probably get a different answer for both those. Both oh, of us that. oh, no, dear. no, I'm just touched thinking. a nerve, <laughs> bastard. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, um, at the moment we're very much independent. Um, but that's not to say that in the future. I think we've 
touched on the subject, but we're not ready to commit to any kind of any kind of answer no. to that really yet. Are we? It's but I think I think we're kind of looking out for projects in the future that we can collaborate on. Yeah. Mm, I think uh, there's more more chance of uh, us hooking up because we're in the same office to collaborate on something than we are about to become suddenly a big limited liability company with loads of employees. That's, that's yes. nothing I can see in the in in the future. Yes. Okay, well, thank you very much, guys, for coming on the show. And you never know, one day in the future, we might get you to actually come in and talk about, like, web design or something. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. No. <laughs> how many, so how many episodes of the Berg World have you done so far? Uh, you, can't ask, yet? You, you can't ask me that question because I don't know when this interview is going to go out. So <laughs> um, I I'm going to take a stab and say 92. Well, there I'm you done. go. After 92 podcasts, what can we add well, <laughs> to a web design conversation? And obviously, I know absolutely everything about web design, and that there's nothing more to say other than what I've already said. Well, catch me on a day when I'm in a bad mood, and I'll tell you what I think about web design. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, probably about the clients, actually, rather than actual web design. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's really good to talk to you, and we will, no yeah, doubt, get you back in soon. Right. So that about wraps it up. Um, if you aren't seeing, if you've gone along to the show notes at barragworld.com forward slash podcast, select show 92. And if you're looking for a transcript of um, the interview with John Hicks and John Oxton, you may not find it. Talking of getting other people to help out, we've had problems with our transcriber over the last week. So that hasn't happened, admittedly, for very good reason. His wife ended up having to go to hospital, which is it's quite serious. And I shouldn't be joking about it, really, should I? No. Now I'm feeling really bad. No, I wasn't serious. She's not really bad, but... Oh, God. Can we edit this bit out as well? Stop now. You're going to leave this in, aren't you? I know you're going to leave this in. Okay, so before we wrap up, um, uh, I do have a a little bit of housekeeping that I want to do. A couple of things I want to mention. This is a really bizarre one and only applies to a tiny fraction of the people listening to the show. But if you are a web designer that lives in the southwest of England, I just wanted to mention that I've decided to set up a mailing list for all us web designers in the rural Wurzel world. Um, it is exclusively for those in the southwest, as nobody else would want to join it anyway. Um, and it's designed to kind of help build a bit of a community down that way. We why might even get why would nobody else want to join it? That's nasty and mean. This is obviously the... Uh, no, 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 I'm not saying they, that, that I'm just saying, why would you want to join a mailing group for an area you're not in? I'm not implying anything about people from the southwest. Don't you try and turn that on me, mister. <laughs> no, so, I, what I'm saying is someone, you know, wh- what's the southwest? You know, is Gloucestershire in the southwest? Or I'm keeping it very, I'm keeping it very open. I'm not kind of making judgments. I'm letting people define their own boundaries. I'm very inclusive. So, somebody but you in don't live in the southwest, just so you know. So, well, that yeah, some people say Hampshire is in the southwest, and it isn't. No, but it, people say it is. You're far too posh for southwest people. We're down to earth, gritty, rural people. So anyway, there's so much going on in places like Brighton and London that I thought it might be nice to build up a bit of a community in the more rural parts of Britain. So you can find out more about it at groups.google.com forward slash group forward slash SWWD for Southwest Web Designers. So there you go. I tried to make that sound really exciting at the end. Um, Also, I wanted to remind you about the uh, live recording of the 100th episode 
at mm. moagworld.com up in London on Saturday the 20th of October. Please, please come. We want you there. It's going to be exciting. I've got some really good ideas for it, Marcus, that I need to talk to you about when we're not recording. Um, if you're intending to come, please sign up at um, upcoming.yahoo.com forward slash event forward slash 224744. That's 224744. I'm getting good at this now. now. Okay, I finally. To, I, I have to tell everyone a story about, about the 100th episode. Um, oh, go on then. Well, yeah. I, I will basically. Um, you know, I've been on holiday recently. Well, Paul, um, he he booked himself a, ho- a hotel room um, for the, for the night of the twentieth of October, and I got back and I sent him an email. I said, Paul, did you sort me a room out as well? And guess what? He didn't. No, I didn't on purpose because um, <laughs> I was praying that the hotel would fill up and I wouldn't have to have anything to do with you. Well, it no, has. The- um, oh, it I'm, has really. I That's can't funny. stay in the same hotel as Paul. And what I happened, bet you're staying in a posher one, aren't you? Is I have to stay in the Savoy now. So, well, you know, there you go. Are <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> I'm <laughs> staying in a travel inn. I'm staying God. in posher than you, but not the Savoy. Well, but no, that's because you, you really couldn't be bothered. Somewhere. You forgot about me and didn't. I, me no, no, no. That's not true. I sent you an email saying, "Would you like me to book a hotel room?" And you never replied to me. I don't believe a word of it. I'm going to have... Might be true. Might be true. Yes, it might not be true. More likely. Might also not be true. Well, I didn't know what date you wanted to go. For example, I'm going up the day before um, because I'm, I'm, t- I'm taking my family up. So Cass is going to be at the 100th episode. Very exciting. Good for her. Yes. But, uh, and she's and been on, did, you know she, did you know she was on the podcast while you were away? I listened to it and commented it. I think I, the words were... Um, oh, did you? Kath and whoever was the um, uh, whoever oh, yes. was very good, otherwise strangely lacking. Yes. I that Are we ever going to finish this show? This is going to be another really long one. Anyway, finally, finally, because of um, the Deconstruct Conference, which, by the way, is happening next Friday. Oh, oh uh, yes, so that would be good, down in Brighton. But if you haven't booked now, it's too late. Um, so because of that, and also a trip to Cork I have to make, um i have um the yes i basically the show might not go out on time next week is what i'm trying to say so i'm not sure i mean we're supposed to be recording it on monday it may happen or it may slip to wednesday so anyway i just thought to mention that oh yes one more thing god i'll finish this one day south by southwest panels please 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 vote for us please um, you can do so by going to panelpicker.sxsw.com. Panelpicker.southbysouthwest, basically, it's an abbreviation, dot com. Uh, and vote for us. You can type in Paul Bag, and you'll come up with two talks. Vote for both of them, and then type in Gina Bolton, with J-I-N-A, Bolton. And then you'll find another panel that I'm on. Vote for that, too. So there we go. Lots of things to vote for. I've finished now. Yeah, let's let's. You got let's a joke? I've got loads of jokes. I'll I'll tell one next week. I'll leave people on. Oh, people! No, because people are going to get angry and they're going to say that I talk too much and you didn't yeah. get to do your joke and I'm going to be in trouble. That's, that's absolutely what's happened, Paul. Oh, oh go on. Go this on. Is, uh, you know you want to. Joke from in as ever. Uh, lots of Americanisms in here, but just ignore that. Uh, do you want to comment, Paul? No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying quiet. <laughs> Um, okay, right. I was at a, I was shopping at the local supermarket where I selected a half gallon of milk, 
a carton of eggs, a quart of a quart, I'm not sure what a quart is, of orange juice, uh, a head of romaine lettuce, a two-pound can of coffee, a one-pound pack of bacon. I was unloading my items on the conveyor belt to check out, and a drunk standing behind me watched as I placed the items in front of the cashier. While the cashier was ringing up the purchases, the drunk calmly stated, You must be single. I was a bit startled by this proclamation, but I was intrigued by the derelict's intuition, since I was indeed single. I looked and saw nothing particularly unusual about my selections that could have tipped off the drunk to my marital status. Curiosity getting the better of me, I said, Well, you know what? You're absolutely right. But how on earth did you know that? And the drunk replied, Because you're ugly. <laughs> That's a really good one. I like that. Oh dear. So, yes, we are now going very quickly. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.